welcome to The Week Ahead in Russia, RFERL's Monday podcast about significant developments and upcoming events in Moscow and beyond. I'm Steve Gutterman, and my guest is Irina Lagunina, Associate Standards Editor and former Director and Special Projects Editor of the Russian Service here at RFERL. Uh, welcome, Irina, and thanks for joining me today. Uh, sure, Steve. I'm very happy to be with your podcast again. It's great to have you on the podcast again. Um, the occasion, of course, is terrible. Uh, this coming Friday, February 24th, will mark one year since Russia launched its unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. Uh, the large-scale invasion followed nearly eight years of war provoked by Moscow in the Donbass in eastern Ukraine. Uh, I'm going to try to keep my question short. The first one is about Russian President Vladimir Putin's address to parliament. Effectively, this is his State of the Nation speech, which he's set to deliver tomorrow, February 21st. Now, the speech is commonly known as Putin's annual address, uh, and the Russian Constitution obliges the president to deliver it annually, but Putin did not do so uh, in 2022. In fact, the last time he did was uh, in April 2021. Um, now, also note, I was going to note that um, U.S. President Joe Biden is scheduled to speak uh, in Warsaw several hours after uh, Putin's address tomorrow. And that is still the case. But now uh, Putin's address tomorrow comes after Biden's visit to Kiev today. Uh, that was um, a surprise visit. I mean, there'd been talk that he that he might meet with with um, Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, um, possibly in in Poland or possibly in Kiev. Uh, and in fact, he, he did uh, travel to Kiev. Um, so that's um, Biden's made many trips uh, to Ukraine. Um, he did so as vice president, but this is, of course, the first one as president. Um, and we will um, and, and in, the, in his speech tomorrow, he'll also be talking about the war in Ukraine. And, and today, he, uh, you know, he, he, his, his visit and his words uh, were a reflection of, you know, of, of what, what he and the, and the West say is, is kind of unflagging uh, unity. Uh, now, I don't want to suggest that Putin's speech will necessarily be an important one. Three things to keep in mind here. Um, because these things can be sort of overplayed. One is that uh, Putin can be very repetitive, repeating the same narratives in successive speeches and remarks. Uh, the second is that these narratives, uh, Putin's claims, his statements about history and about the present, are often skewed or simply false, uh, particularly when it comes to Ukraine, both its history and um, what's happening there now. Um, and the third is that uh, while he does use speeches for signaling both to Russians and to the West and the rest of the world, he often sends mixed signals and hides his actual plans and intentions. So nothing can necess necessarily be taken at face value. Now, all that said, Irina, I'm going to ask you um, not what you think uh, he'll say necessarily, but what, what you'll be watching for or, or listening for when Putin delivers his address. Well, Steve, it's really difficult to predict uh, uh, something that's going to be said or done by the uh, head of uh, 
an absolute authoritarian state where the normal flow of information and the no normal accountability of uh, uh, people in power in front of the uh, people of the country is uh, non-existent. Uh, but uh, I would point out also several uh, facts that surround uh, this uh, address that Putin is going to uh, give uh, tomorrow. Uh, there is a lot of uh, uh, of speculation. Uh, a lot. There are a lot of speculations in Russia right now. Uh, what all this is going to be about? Uh, but the first, uh, the first interesting detail is that uh, this time, uh, the leaders uh, of uh, uh, South Ossetia, Alan Gagloev, uh, Abkhazia, Aslan Bjania and uh, the head of Belarus, Alexander Lukashenko, uh, will be uh, present uh, during, his, uh, uh, during his address, uh, which created an allegation that uh, probably uh, he might want to, uh, to devote his speech to the further... Uh, uh, some sort of unification of those uh, territories. Uh, and uh, let me point out that uh, South Ossetia and Abkhazia are two uh, territories that uh, were, uh, that are under Russian control and that uh, used to be, uh, and according to the international law, are still uh, the territory of uh, Georgia. And uh, the uh, talks about uh, more close uh, relationship or even unif unification with Belarus are going on for quite a long time. Uh, this process was started 25 years ago, uh, but it never led to creation of one union state as uh, uh, sometimes they wanted to uh, portray it. Uh, so... Uh, but the fact that those uh, three uh, heads of territories and state uh, will be in Moscow to listen to uh, to Putin is very interesting. Uh, further on, the other point that I wanted to point out is that uh, uh, the next day, February 27th, there will be a joint uh, meeting of both chambers of uh, uh, the parliament. Um, that means that they will probably come all together as one group to adopt something that Putin might propose, even though they are now saying that it's basically a technical uh, meeting because they need to adopt uh, several laws before uh, the start, uh, before March. Uh, but uh, the coincidence uh, is also very telling that uh, uh, Putin's address on the 21st of February and the uh, joint uh, parliament meeting uh, on the 22nd. Uh, so that's one, uh, I'm just relaying he here the uh, kind of the discourse that's going on in Russia and the forecast that uh, Russian uh, uh, media and uh, uh, analysts are trying to to make right now. The second thing that is also uh, very uh, important to keep in mind is the symbolism of the date. Uh, February 21st uh, 
And this is exactly what uh, caused some alarmist predictions of what Putin will say. Uh, February 21st is actually the start of the war with Ukraine for Putin. Uh, because even though the full-scale aggression started on the 24th last year, February 21st was his uh, uh, address about uh, Ukraine and uh, his suggestion to or his desire to uh, officially recognize uh, so-called uh, Lugansk uh, Nas National Republic and Donetsk National People's sorry, Republic. Uh, that's on February 21st, 2022. He uh, made a speech uh, and requested the parliament to uh, recognize the independence of uh, those territories that uh, were breakaways uh, republics of Ukraine. And that was a very significant speech because in that speech, let us remember, uh, he uh, outlined uh, that Ukraine is artificial state, uh, that it was created by Bolshevik communist uh, leader Lenin, uh, that Ukraine uh, lacks the fundamental uh, notion of statehood. Uh, I am quoting him right now. Uh, he also called the split of the Soviet Union, uh, uh, he said it was more than a mistake. Uh, he claimed that uh, uh, Ukraine was uh, thinking about creating its own nuclear weapons. And he claimed that NATO and US use Ukrainian territory uh, for as their base. So that whole laid the ground for the uh, aggression that started on the 24th. Uh, that was a very significant speech and it's not a coincidence that uh, he delivers another speech exactly a year after this. Uh, so the fact that he he, may, he will make this speech as the first anniversary since his start of the war with uh, Ukraine. It actually, uh, uh, you know, caused some people to think that uh, uh, he will announce uh, a new wave of mo mobilization, that he even might announce the official war with Ukraine, because right now, uh, it, they don't call it war, they call it a special military operation. Uh, so all sorts of predictions, uh, pretty alarmist, uh, pretty, uh, you know, pretty uh, dark uh, for, for Russian future. Uh, so that also might be something that uh, we might see tomorrow. Steve? Thanks very much, Una. Yeah, that's a great sort of overview. Um, I, I have to agree wholeheartedly that there, there's no way the selection of February 21st as the, as the date for this speech uh, was a coincidence. Um, uh, you know, as, as you said, the February 21st uh, speech that he made last year was, I mean, a lot of people had in the West, most people um, believed that he would not, that Russia would not go ahead and invade Ukraine or launch a large-scale invasion of Ukraine, even though uh, the United States and others were warning about this uh, based on intelligence. And um, there were, uh, I forget the number, but maybe 170,000 Russian troops 
um, amassed near the Ukrainian border. But it was really that speech, I think, that that turned uh, that that changed many people's minds um, and, and led them to think that, unfortunately, um, Putin would go ahead and order the invasion, or maybe he had already ordered it. But um, uh, because, as you say, it was very dark. Um, and he had, I mean, he'd made some of the comments before, um, you know, over the years and, and over the past, the previous year or two in particular, you know, saying that Ukraine was not really a state, saying it was created by, by the Bolsheviks, but he really put it all together in one and he, and his tone was very ominous. Um, and it was really, I mean, people were just kind of, um, uh, very, very concerned after, after the speech, very alarmed. So, um, whether whether that means this one, you know, this year is, is clearly symbolism. Whether that means uh, this speech tomorrow will will be a big deal. We have yet to see. Um, uh, you know, uh, possibility of new mobilization uh, could be um, the. There's, I mean, Russia's conducting an offensive now in the Donbass uh, in eastern Ukraine, but there's also talk of, you know, will will Russia try to conduct a bigger offensive um, with more troops coming across the border into Ukraine in the coming weeks or months? So, you know, that's one thing that that he could be preparing for. Um, and as you say, uh, the I actually hadn't realized that those uh, the. <clears throat> Uh, that Lukashenko from Belarus and and the the de facto heads of South Ossetia and Abkhazia were, were going to be in Moscow for the speech, um, but that uh, certainly uh, that seems like at least designed to get to make people think that something big is going to happen. Um, and of course, with Belarus, uh, I think Putin met with Lukashenko a, a few days ago. Um, you know, but there's been over the years, and particularly the past few years since since. Um, elections in 2020 in Belarus and since and since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, you know, there have been sort of stepped up efforts uh, by Putin, by Russia to to get uh, Belarus closer. Um, so, you know, it never seems to happen. Um, real integration or even the kind of union state that they have on paper. But um, uh, we'll we'll see we will see how it develops tomorrow. Um, you know, I would just point out that uh, Putin is, or as I did point out in the, in the intro to this, you know, Putin, he does repeat things. He's, he's big on symbolism. So, you know, it's possible that, um, it could be a lot of symbolism, but, but less, uh, less substance. So we will, uh, see tomorrow, uh, you know, and I think another factor, not that, not that it's likely to change, uh, what, whatever Putin was planning, but, you know, I think he's going to want to to somehow deliver a, a rebuke or, you know, some kind of a, a rebuke to to Biden uh, after Biden's trip uh, visit to Kiev today. Um, and presumably that means that, among other things, Putin will have a lot to say about uh, civilization and, and kind of talk up his narrative um, uh, uh, about how the West is bad and Russia is, is good. Um, but we'll see whether it amounts to, to, to much more than that. Oh, Steve, uh, by the way, the, uh, in recent, uh, months, uh, I would say, uh, they actually, the state propaganda in Russia, uh, 
portrayed the war in Ukraine as, uh, you know, the war with the West rather than with uh, uh, Ukraine itself. And uh, I can see, reading the uh, Russian media, I can see that uh, uh, this uh, uh, motto becomes more and more popular uh, because uh, uh, Russians actually uh, start to question uh, the uh, aims of Russian operation in uh, what they call operation in, in Ukraine. And some question why uh, Russians uh, have to die uh, fighting with the uh, people or with the nation that they consider to be uh, brotherhood, you know. So, uh, so this uh, fighting against the West and particularly against the U.S., uh, is is very very popular for among the Russian propaganda now. Yes, absolutely. That's a very good point that I, I should have made also. Um, uh, and it has increased um, some of the, the sort of chief propagandists of of the Kremlin, or you know, of, of people who are uh, close to to the Kremlin, have been talking that up a lot lately. Um, you know, the idea that this is not a, a an offensive, this is not a, an aggression, a war of aggression against Ukraine, which, you know, as you say, um, I mean, even Putin, you know, Putin has said Ukrainians and Russians are one people, which isn't true. And that uh, Ukrainians, you know, that's one thing that makes Ukrainians angry, um, rightfully so. But it's also a reason why, well, you know, Russians might question, why are you uh, why are we why are we killing them? Uh, so, you know, as you say, I think there's a there's a big shift to, to kind of um, put um, uh, portray this um, as not a war of aggression against Ukraine, but a war that's necessary um, to defend Russia against um, you know, against NATO and the United States, which are acting through Ukraine to destabilize and even destroy Russia, um, you know, which which isn't true either. Uh, but 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 I do think it's an important um, point. So presumably we'll hear more of that in tomorrow's speech. Um, all right. Well, thanks very much. And my second question is essentially the same, but it's about the war. Um, as Russia's large-scale invasion enters its second year, uh, there are very few signs that it could end anytime soon. What what will you be watching for? Whether it's developments on the battlefield, diplomacy, Western support for Ukraine, or the situation uh, in Russia. Well, I think that all three uh, is very important. Uh, of course, the development uh, on the battlefield uh, is very important because uh, up till now, Russia actually didn't. Uh, didn't gain that much territory and was quite unsuccessful uh, in recent month it's uh, it lost actually half of what it gained over the year and uh, that's uh, something that uh, uh, russian authorities cannot hide anymore uh, the number of true russian troops killed uh, is also becoming more and more alarming uh, for the Russian population, there is a lot of uh, uh, kind of protest. It's a strange protest. That you, you cannot even call it a protest because uh, families and relatives of those who, uh, who were mobilized and sent to the front uh, without 
proper munition without uh, proper equipment uh, protest not the fact that their their husbands and sons were sent uh, to kill in Ukraine, but the fact that they were sent without proper equipment. Uh, so you, you, you cannot really call it a protest, but it's the first sign uh, that uh, Russians are not uh, you know, happy with what's going on, uh, uh, which is an interesting development, of course, and uh, worth monitoring. Uh, it it usually those I, I see a lot of those posts uh, recently in social media. Usually they are mm, greeted with a lot of hatred, both from uh, Ukrainian side and from the side of uh, Russian opposition. Uh, but uh, it is an interesting development worth monitoring. Uh, the economy is uh, not in a good shape. Uh, the new uh, tax on uh, business, on large business, uh, which is uh, which is touching actually all the businesses in Russia uh, up to the middle size uh, business uh, is also a, uh, an indicator that uh, the budget is not doing great, uh, even though it's, well, it's difficult to predict because the budget was... Uh, locked uh, there is no data published anymore and so uh, we cannot really say what's going on with the uh, uh, you know with the russian budget but uh, the, uh, the 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 measures that uh, uh, kremlin is taking right now to get some extra money from business uh, show that uh, things are not uh, going well uh, the military help to ukraine is very important of course, because uh, we understand that uh, Ukraine will not be able to uh, resist Russian aggression as successfully as it, as it does right now uh, without military help. Uh, you cannot just compare the two uh, military, um, you know, military arsenals of, of two countries. Russia is huge compared to Ukraine, but uh, Ukraine is defending uh, its country, its statehood, uh, its people, uh, so uh, and showing great bravery in doing this. So any military help for Ukraine uh, is worth uh, monitoring and uh, you know taking into consideration. And one more thing that probably uh, is interesting, of course, uh, I will monitor the uh, mood in Russia me personally, because I think little by little, but something is changing. For example, today, uh, the prominent opposition leader, uh, Alexei Navalny, who is in jail uh, uh, after he returned uh, to Russia two years ago, uh, he uh, published in Twitter, uh, he published a program of uh, uh, what uh, what should be done in order to to, you know, bring Russia back to the international community. And of course, the first item is to stop the war. Uh, but then among the measures that Navalny suggests uh, is an interesting one. He suggests that uh, Russia should return back and recognize the borders of 1991. And that means not only uh, give back Ukraine, uh, Donbass and uh, Donetsk and Luhansk uh, 
uh, areas, but also Crimea. And, uh, you know, before two, even two years ago, uh, stating publicly that Crimea should be back, uh, should be given back to Ukraine was practically impossible because that would, uh, for a politician, because that would have turned uh, people against you. because, yes, majority of Russians really considered Crimea Russian territory and supported uh, Putin in the annexation move. Uh, but right now, Navalny is uh, um, publishing it publicly. And uh, uh, that actually shows a change that's going on in, in Russian uh, you know, public mind uh, that, uh, that allows people now to speak openly uh, even about the return of Crimea. That's actually something new. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yes, thanks very much. Um, I would, um, just to, to try to follow up um, on on your remarks on, on, you know, the developments sort of in, in the on the battlefield and inside Russia and, and in the West, I guess one kind of theme that runs through all that um, and, and what Navalny's saying too um, is the idea that, um, you know, I think, I think most analysts uh, believe that, you know, Russia's initial attempt, initial intention was to take Kiev uh, and, and, um, and, and subjugate Ukraine by, by overthrowing the government essentially. Uh, that's not, didn't happen and and i think the you know the prospect for that happening very very small um and that now uh putin's main hope uh is is for the unity of the west and support from the west uh to to dissipate and to to flag and and then um allowing allowing russia to get the upper hand and part of that is um you know, part of part of the some of the factors that go into that are, are the Russian economy, um, uh, and of course the situation on on the battlefield. So, you know, this year that's uh, arbitrarily, I guess, starting starting now with with the, as the second year of the invasion uh, begins. You know, it will will clearly be very very important, and and, and um, uh, you know. Biden's trip to Kiev, an attempt to to show that that this Western unity will will not flag. Um, but uh, we we're getting short on time, uh, but we can take a few questions uh, if there are any. So um, happy to take a happy to take a question or two or three. Okay, I'm not seeing any questions. Um, Give it a moment, but we can start to wrap it up. Um, Irina, as as always, thanks very much for your for your insights. You really, I think you shed a lot of light on on what's happening. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Steve. It's a pleasure. All right. Uh, once again, I've been speaking to Irina Lagunina, Associate Standards Editor and former Director and for and Special Projects Editor of the Russian Service here at RFERL. And my name is Steve Gutterman, editor for Russia, Ukraine, and Belarus in the Central Newsroom at RFERL. As I mentioned at the start, this conversation will also be published as a podcast, and you can subscribe to The Week Ahead in Russia and other RFERL podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google, and other podcast platforms. 
I'll be back next Monday for another installment of The Week Ahead in Russia, and please keep an eye out uh, for the next edition of my newsletter, The Week in Russia. Thanks for listening.